Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so I'm reading my book, The Pesky Kids 3, Stuck in the Mud, and we're now up to Chapter 9, Begging and Pleading. Here we go. The Currawong High School reception area was always decorated in the theme of whatever festival was coming up next. On this day, it was decorated with lumps of brown. It was meant to be mud, but the decorations looked like something much worse. Mrs Pillsbury, the school receptionist, was having an unpleasant lunch hour. Her nail-polished fingers tapped with irritation on her desk. Her beehive hairdo practically quivered with the inner rage welling within her. The lunch hour was the worst hour of her day, because students would come and ask for things. She loathed students. Thirty-five years of being a school receptionist had had that effect on her, and right now the student she loathed the most... April Pesky was sitting three metres away from her on the other side of the glass screen. Mrs Pillsbury kept the glass screen slid shut as much as possible. She wished she could have a bulletproof glass bandit screen like they had in banks so she'd be totally physically separated from the school community at all times. But the thing that was making Mrs Pillsbury's lunch hour particularly unpleasant on this day was that she couldn't get hold of the dreadful April Pesky's father. The phone rang and rang, but he wasn't answering it. Usually, parents leapt on the phone when they saw the school's number on the caller ID, and she had to spend the first five minutes of the call assuring them that their precious angel hadn't been struck by lightning or hit by a falling tree. But not Mr Pesky. He didn't even have a mobile. He just had a landline, which apparently he never answered. "'Your father's not answering. Is there something wrong with him?' asked Mr Pillsbury. "'Yeah, lots of things,' said April, matter-of-factly. "'But in this instance, he doesn't like answering to the phone "'because he's had too many unpleasant conversations that way. "'It's a Pavlovian response thing. "'If you give someone really bad news over the phone, "'they're likely to avoid answering the phone in the future.' "'Mrs Pillsbury slammed down her handset. "'Well, you'll just have to sit there and wait then.' "'Mrs Pillsbury turned back to her computer "'and pretended to type angrily, "'although really she was just playing solitaire angrily.' April bristled. She never liked being told she had to do anything, particularly if it was irrational. She leapt to her feet and started to walk over. You're the ones who suspended me and said I can't go back to class. Well, I'm not sitting here in sick bay all day like a diseased outcast. You can't just leave, said Mrs Pillsbury, leaning her whole beehive right out her sliding window so she could yell after April as the girl waltzed over to the front door. Well, you can't hold me hostage, said April. One of us has to do something wrong and I'm volunteering for it to be me. She pushed open the front door of the reception area and stepped out into freedom. April found she quite liked the feeling of walking away from school in the middle of the day. There was something so profoundly wrong about it. It was exciting. It was a beautiful sunny day, warm but not too hot. Walking home would be quite nice. Five kilometres was admittedly further than she would normally choose to stroll, but it was better than sitting in maths being bored senseless. 
Pumpkin was delighted. Walkies were his third favourite thing, after biting people and barking at small children until they cried. There was barely any traffic along the country road. The residents of Currawong were all diligently settled into their work, and there were no tourists in the middle of the week, so April could enjoy the bird song and the buzz of insects all around her. Well, she could, but she preferred to enjoy using a long stick to whack things as she walked along. Grass, flower heads, letter boxes. She and Pumpkin had walked nearly five kilometres when April was startled by the sudden loud wail of a siren right behind her. April was so startled, she tripped over Pumpkin, who had at that moment dived in front of her. She stumbled off the side of the road and landed head first in a boggy ditch. Oh, gross, said April, as she fought to extricate herself from the sticky mud. What do you think you're doing? April looked up to see Constable Pike had pulled over and was leaning out the window of his car. What do you think you're doing? April demanded. Startling young girls so they fall off the road into ditches. I've a good mind to report you for police harassment. It's not harassment. I'm doing my job, said Constable Pike. The school reported that you'd run off. I didn't run anywhere, said April. This isn't a PE lesson. I sauntered. You can't leave school without the supervision of a responsible adult, said Constable Pike. I don't have a responsible adult, said April. I've just got Dad. I'll drive you home, said Constable Pike. Your father needs to understand the seriousness of the terms of your suspension. Oh, please, said April. There's nothing serious about it. I don't see how scaring Dad is going to help anyone. Just get in, said Constable Pike. I don't know that I should, said April, crossing her arms petulantly. I'm not supposed to get into cars with strange men. I'm not a stranger, said Constable Pike. No, but you're definitely strange, said April. Come on, Pumpkin, the deluded man wants to give us a lift. April and Constable Pike drove along together for a few moments before Constable Pike broke the silence. You know, life would be easier for you here if you tried to get along with people. Why would I want my life to be easy, said April. Einstein had to flee Germany. Marie Curie had to work as a nanny for four years to pay her tuition at the Sorbonne. Queen Elizabeth I had to murder her own sister. Great people never have easy lives. So you're awful to everyone because you're so great, asked Constable Pike. No, I'm awful to everyone because they're all dreadful and I'm just pointing it out to them in case they don't know, said April. Really, it's a community service. I'm amazed more people aren't grateful. It took Constable Pike's brain a while to wrap itself around April's reasoning and logic. He was fairly sure there was none, but they had arrived at her house before he could push on with the discussion. Here we are, he said, turning into her driveway. Is your dad away or is he here and not answering the phone? I don't know, said April. Dad is a complicated guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a secret bunker and he's watching our arrival on a CCTV screen right now. Constable Pike was alarmed by this prospect. He glanced at the azalea bushes he was driving past suspiciously. When they got to the top of the driveway, Loretta's stallion, Vladimir, was tied up to the balustrade of the front deck and munching on one of Dad's more beautiful rose bushes. Why is that horse in your front garden? asked Constable Pike. Ah, it's Loretta, said April. Maybe she ran out of hay, so she brought a horse over to eat Dad's flowers. Is she up to something? asked Constable Pike. What do you mean? asked April. That's the horse she used to cheat with in the mud run last year, said Constable Pike. The organisers didn't want to give her the prize money, but her parents hired a big city lawyer and they wouldn't let Brad Peddler wiggle out of it. April let herself in through the front door. Ironically, for a man who's supremely security conscious, Dad never locked the front door. 
The people he feared wouldn't let a piece of timber and a hardware store lock stop them from entering. Hello, April called to the apparently empty house. I'm home four hours early and I brought Constable Nitwit. Constable Pike moved to step into the house after April, but Dad appeared at the far end of the veranda. Oh, what are you doing here? he asked, a quaver in his voice. Oh, good morning, sir, said Constable Pike, regressing into the comfort of his formal mode. He liked to speak how he thought a cop should speak, because it made him feel more important. I was alerted to the unauthorised absence of your daughter from her school. They requested that I locate her and ensure her safe delivery to your guardianship. Dad looked confused. You left school? he asked April. But you're too young. Don't you have to be seventeen? You're not seventeen, are you? Relax, I'm twelve, Dad, said April. The school just suspended me because they're not as open-minded about the disabled as I am. You're suspended, asked Dad, growing quite alarmed. Usually Joe handled April. He didn't know he was up to the challenge of parenting her all on his own during the day. Shall we go inside to discuss this, asked Constable Pike. Well, uh, began Dad. No, said Ingrid firmly, as she strode through the house to the doorway. It is foolish to allow a law enforcement official into your home, unless they have a warrant. It's just a friendly chat, said Constable Pike, confused by the sudden hostility and Ingrid's Nordic beauty. I do not believe in friends or chats, said Ingrid. In this country, people talk too much. I like her, said April, pushing past Ingrid and heading towards the kitchen. I like her attitude. You'd better go, Dad said to Constable Pike, following his daughter into the house. I find it's best not to antagonise females. It's true of aphids, bees, and many other garden insects, but it's also true of humans as well. Not that I'm sexist. I try not to antagonise males either. Not that gender identity is important. Well, obviously it's important to the person whose gender it is, but it's none of my business. I like it when things are none of my business. It's so much easier. But sir, began the constable. Dad turned back and whispered to Constable Pike. The female praying mantis bites the male's head off. Never underestimate a woman. Never. Dad disappeared into the house, shutting the door in Constable Pike's face. Constable Pike was left with a distinct impression that the Pesky family were a bunch of weirdos. And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>